I really encourage you to pause and think about how you and your practice can be involved in Breast Cancer Awareness Month this year. Because if you're not going out there and talking with the community and engaging with survivors or educating your neighbors in some capacity, then who is? Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Onco PT Podcast. When it comes to oncology physical therapy, there's a few things that are absolutely classic bread and butter of what we do as oncology physical therapists. And with breast cancer being the most common diagnosis that most of us will see, it's critical that we truly understand the basics, the foundation behind what breast cancer is and how it really affects our patients. Despite it being so common, unfortunately, many people really don't understand what it is, how it's treated, or how it really affects a person both now and potentially for the rest of our lives. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast. This is Elise, your host, and I'm really, really excited to dive into breast cancer with you. And you may be thinking, Elise, it's August. Breast Cancer Awareness Month isn't until October. You're really kind of jumping the gun here. So what the heck? Well, yes, October is kind of like the month when it comes to cancer rehab. So October in the United States is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And this is kind of like our our Christmas, like Santa is to Christmas or like our Super Bowl in a way, because the public is much more in tune with and aware of and really overall paying attention to cancer rehab awareness in October because of how big of a deal that breast cancer awareness is and then how this this going pink movement has really been over the last several decades. So it's appropriate for us to be thinking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month now in August because this way we can really start thinking about how can we be involved in the community outreach and education around breast cancer when October comes around, when Breast Cancer Awareness Month really gets that steam, um, that momentum, if you will. So what you should take away from this episode, if nothing else, is that you need to start planning what you're doing in October right now, because it's going to be here before we know it. And so it's really a great opportunity for us to really dive into getting involved, getting the message out there when, whether you like it or not, the momentum is there and people are actually paying attention a little more to breast cancer and breast cancer awareness. Now, a little later this month, I am going to do an episode on creating a killer in-service to help educate and reach out in your community. And in-services are one of my favorite ways to do this. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But again, that's later. What you need to know now is the information about breast cancer so you can kind of start working on your breast cancer awareness month initiatives, whatever that looks like for you and your practice. So we kind of need to start off with the absolute basics. What is breast cancer? Well, this is going to sound very simple, but breast cancer is a cancer that originates in the breast tissue. But what this definition glosses over is just how unique each breast cancer can be. 
Even for people who have the same diagnosis on paper, this doesn't mean that their breast cancers are going to behave exactly the same. Now, I wish they did, because that would make things a lot easier. But as we know, cancer doesn't really follow the rules. No surprise there. Most breast cancers are carcinomas, which means that they invade the epithelial tissue of the breast. So they originate in the epithelial tissue of the breast. And this can include the lobules of the breast or the lobes of the breast, as well as the ducts of the breast. You may see terms like ductal carcinoma in situ or ductal carcinoma or lobular carcinoma, excuse me. So when you see ductal carcinoma, this means that this is a breast cancer that originated within the ducts of the breast. Some people may have lobular carcinoma, which means that their cancer originated within the lobules of the breast tissue. Now this goes back to a little bit of anatomy. So we're gonna do a quick debrief here. If you haven't thought of breast anatomy since school, this is what you need right here. So the lobules of the breast are the sacs that actually produce the milk within the breasts while the ducts are the tubes that carry the milk from the lobules to the nipple. This is probably the simplest explanation I have and probably the simplest one that's out there. But it's important to note here that the ducts and the lobules of the breast are glandular tissue. They are again, epithelial tissue. And this is different from the connective tissue within the breast. Now, the connective tissue of the breast includes the ligaments and the scar tissue that really help to support the breast. So within the breast tissue, we've got this fatty tissue, and this contributes to the overall like shape and size of the breast. But I make the distinction here between the glandular tissue and the connective tissue of the breast because cancers of the connective tissue are different. They behave very differently. As we have discussed previously on this podcast, and may you, you know, maybe you've even heard in other sources, connective tissue cancers are called sarcomas. Now, sarcomas can develop in lots of different places in our body, but sarcomas of the breast are much less common than carcinomas. So most patients you see with a diagnosis of breast cancer likely have a carcinoma of some sorts. One such type of sarcoma that you may see affecting breast tissue is an angiosarcoma. This cancer originates in the cells that line the lymph vessels or even the blood vessels within the breast tissue. I have so far, as of this recording, have only seen one patient with an angiosarcoma of the breast. She developed it actually as a result of her previous breast cancer. So she had a previous carcinoma of the breast that was treated with radiation therapy. And unfortunately for her, she went on to develop an angiosarcoma of the breast. So again, this is not a recurrence of her initial cancer. This is a brand new cancer, which is kind of wild to think about. It's still breast cancer, but they are different breast cancers. Now there's also some special subtypes of breast cancer that are less common, but definitely warrant mention in this episode. Triple negative breast cancer is a type of breast cancer that is negative for progesterone and estrogen receptors on their cells and don't create the protein or a lot of the protein called HER2. So 
when we're looking at this, a lot of times when patients are diagnosed with breast cancer, you'll see that they have, you know, blah, blah, breast cancer, and it'll be some kind of status like ER positive, PR positive, HER2 positive, or any negative, like any combination of that. So a triple negative breast cancer is where they test those cancer cells and find that they don't make a whole lot of that HER2 protein, and they don't have the receptors for progesterone and estrogen on their cells. So again, that's what triple negative cancer is, triple negative breast cancer, excuse me. Typically, this does tend to be a little harder to treat, just FYI. And along those lines, another subtype of breast cancer, which is much more rare, thankfully, is called inflammatory breast cancer, which comprises about 1% to 5% of all breast cancer diagnoses. So again, thankfully, this is very rare because this is a type of ductal carcinoma, but really kind of throws all the rules out the window. The prognosis and the treatment for inflammatory breast cancer are very, very different than a lot of other breast cancers we see. Typically, patients with inflammatory breast cancer are diagnosed at a higher stage than others with breast cancer, and they tend to be more aggressive, as in like much more aggressive than some of the other breast cancers that we see. Now, as we know, there are some pretty well-known risk factors that can contribute to breast cancer. Some of these for our general population include older age, prolonged exposure to estrogen, and even a family history of breast cancer. Additionally, there are some lifestyle factors such as obesity, exercise levels, and alcohol consumption that are absolutely linked to breast cancer. And some of you are probably thinking, what the heck, Elise, like you haven't mentioned the big sexy one that's out there. And by sexy, I say this with a very heavily um, dose of sarcasm here. Genetic mutations. Now, genetic mutations such as the BRCA gene that a lot of people are familiar with are actually very rare, relatively rare in the general population. But these gene mutations, such as BRCA, there's others out there, these significantly increase a person's risk of developing breast cancer. In fact, I would even label it like astronomical. So while these are not very common, they absolutely contribute to increasing a person's risk of developing breast cancer. Some of the risk factors are really kind of dumb, in my opinion. Um, as someone who is a female, one of the risks of developing breast cancer, per one of the sources that I used, is just being born female, which is a real bummer in the grand scheme of things. Like, that's, like, that's what we got? That kind of sucks not kind of sucks. It like really sucks in my opinion. Previous history of radiation therapy, as we mentioned, can definitely increase a person's risk of breast cancer. I mentioned my patient with an angiosarcoma previously. I also had a patient who comes to mind who developed breast cancer many years after she underwent mantle radiation for a lymphoma way back in the day, actually when she was like a teenager. And so now as an older adult, she has now developed breast cancer likely as a result of that like massive dose of radiation that was used to treat her particular type of lymphoma back in the day. Unfortunately, while we're learning much about how different both modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors can contribute to the development of breast cancer, we still have a lot to learn. 
We don't have all the answers and we still don't know why some people develop breast cancer when they don't have certain risk factors. And then some people who like have all the risk factors don't develop it. It's kind of wild in that sense. Cancer is a truly malicious malignancy that doesn't discriminate between a person who did everything right, followed all the diet, you know, like recommendations, exercise, overall tried to decrease stress in their life, and the person who maybe doesn't have the greatest health behaviors, right? Yes, there's a certain population that's probably more likely to get it if we're comparing like those two, but it still doesn't explain exactly why some people get breast cancer and some don't. So it's really important to check in with ourselves as a healthcare professional and make sure that we're treating these patients so that we're not intentionally or even unintentionally assigning blame to them for developing their cancer. Hopefully this sounds really wild to to you and you would say like, no, that's absolutely something that I would never do. And I hope that, like, I really hope that with everything in my being, but I definitely noticed because in PT school, we talk a lot about, oh, these certain exposures and risk factors, like these increase a person's risk for cancer. But I don't think we talk as much about how sometimes someone can do everything right and they still get cancer and we don't know why. And it's never a person's fault that they develop cancer. Never. Period. Like end of story. So make sure that we're checking in with ourselves and like I said, not assigning blame to them that this is the reason that they ended up with this condition. Because frankly, like, that's a real crummy way to treat a human being. As we've noticed, as we've noted previously in this episode, breast cancer most commonly affects women. Again, one of the biggest risk factors for breast cancer is being born female. Does it affect only females? No. But it most commonly affects women who are 55 years and older. Now, there's a lot of nuances here. Because we, as we know, different subtypes or different specific diagnoses within the breast cancer realm really differ. So for example, triple negative breast cancer tends to be more common in younger women. So less than 40, this is not our typical breast cancer population here. And it tends to affect black women more often. And those who have a BRCA, I think it's the one mutation. So Even though a lot of our patients, like 90% of patients with breast cancer are female, there is a good chunk of males who will develop breast cancer. So about 10% of all breast cancer cases are actually male, which is interesting. So this does not fit into a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. And while we as the oncology physical therapist may spend time with our female patients, talking to them about the importance of screenings and self-exams, we have a responsibility to give our male patients the same information and to note what are the potential like signs and symptoms that could indicate like, hey, there's a problem here. I had a patient one time who figured out that he had breast cancer because of what his daughter went through on her own breast cancer journey. So his daughter was like, I think a year ahead of him in the process of like when she was diagnosed. And he noted 
that he really figured out something was very, very wrong when suddenly his nipple inverted out of nowhere. And sure enough, like he identified it and said, I know that this is potentially an issue, went in, got diagnosed, and then was basically like going alongside his daughter on their treatment, which is pretty crazy. So again, yes, it's important to talk to our female patients about this, but I do think we have a responsibility to also be talking to our male patients about hey, you need to be paying attention to your body. And when something changes, that could be a sign that something's happening, right? Now, common signs and symptoms of breast cancer. As we mentioned, that nipple inversion is definitely one that can happen. But most commonly, patients are finding a new lump or a mass within their breast. And again, this is part of why it's so critical that we're talking to our patients about self-examination. Yes, mammograms are a once yearly thing for most of our patients once they hit 40, but a lot can happen in a year, especially if it's a younger patient who maybe doesn't qualify for mammograms, or if it's a really aggressive cancer that's growing during that time period of when, you know, between that person's getting her yearly mammograms, for example. Hopefully patients are going to their well women's exam yearly, I know when I go for mine, my OB-GYN does do a breast exam, but we can't rely on that, unfortunately. We know that a lot of people don't have access to these regular screenings, and so we cannot just rely on that happening and be like, well, they're probably getting that taken care of by another professional. They probably don't need me to talk about that. No, like we need to be talking to patients about that and really encouraging them to get those examinations and to be doing their own self-examinations. Other potential signs and symptoms of breast cancer include breast swelling, pota orange skin texture, that orange peel skin dimpling appearance, pain or discharge from the nipple or the breast, an inverted nipple, we talked about this, red, dry, flaking, or thickening of breast skin, or even swollen lymph nodes in the chest or the axilla. Now, inflammatory breast cancer is a little bit different. It's particularly sinister because it doesn't come with that hallmark lump or mass that a lot of patients with breast cancer experience early in the diagnosis process. These patients will most commonly have edema of the breast, redness, warmth, or even heaviness as that initial presentation. Now, as you've probably noticed, even though that there are some differences between inflammatory breast cancer and typical breast cancer, there is a little bit of overlap. But most inflammatory breast cancers, most of the signs and symptoms of inflammatory breast cancer will develop rapidly, as in like within three to six months. Now, as I've talked with previously, I've had another guest on the podcast, Shauna from Too Young for This Shit podcast. Her breast cancer grew relatively slowly over a more extended period of time, like a year or so. And this is not always the case for patients, okay? So please understand me when I say this, but with inflammatory breast cancer, it is so fast, like big problem. Again, doesn't play by a lot of the rules that we tend to hear about with most breast cancers. Now, most breast cancers will be diagnosed with a biopsy. Patients might feel the initial lump, and then they'll go in for a physical exam, maybe imaging, maybe that's a mammogram, a breast ultrasound, or a breast MRI, but the biopsy is really the thing that is going to 
allow for that diagnosis. So is this cancer? And then also what kind of cancer this is? Again, thinking back to our carcinoma versus sarcoma, we need to know what we're working with so that we can treat it appropriately. Now, once the biopsy is done, again, we know, yes, this is cancer, what kind of cancer this is, but also stage it and grade it. As you may have heard previously, staging is how advanced the cancer is, whereas grade, the grade of the cancer is how rapidly dividing and undifferentiated the cancer cells are. Both of these, staging and grading, are used in combination to really determine a patient's treatment plan and then their prognosis. Breast cancer is staged using the TNM system. T stands for tumor, N stands for lymph node involvement, and M stands for metastasis. Tumors that are less advanced, smaller, will typically have a lower T-score, so like T1, T2, whereas more advanced cancers will have higher T-scores, T3, T4. Patients with inflammatory breast cancer are often diagnosed at at least a locally advanced stage, meaning usually like they're starting off with T3 or sometimes even T4. So again, this just goes to highlight how significant, how advanced, how aggressive inflammatory breast cancer can truly be in such a short period of time, which is why it's so important for these patients to get a diagnosis and get started on treatment ASAP. As you've probably heard many times in physical therapy, when it comes to treatment for breast cancer, it depends. I know you've probably just rolled your eyes at me right now. And when I say it depends, I really mean it depends. It depends on a ton of factors. We have to consider the patient's actual debt, like their disease, what's their diagnosis, what's their prognosis. But when the medical team is really making this decision alongside the patient, they also have to consider different patient factors as well. What's their age? What are their goals for treatment? Is it feasible or even realistic for them to undergo XYZ treatment? Now, while we are not making those decisions as the OncoPT, it's critical for us to appreciate how much truly goes into the treatment planning process for every single patient. If you remember from previously in this episode, I talked about while two people may have the same diagnosis on paper, their treatment plan may look very, very different from each other. In general, patients with breast cancer will most likely undergo some combination of surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, maybe hormonal therapy, and maybe even some immunotherapy. Based on trends that we're seeing, immunotherapy is really rising as like an option for a lot of patients. And what's really great about immunotherapy is it's making some cancers that were previously considered untreatable, treatable, which is really, really cool. Not every patient will undergo every single type of treatment that I mentioned. Again, it really depends on what kind of cancer do they have? What's their diagnosis? What's their prognosis? What's their goals for treatment? You know, considering the hormone receptor status of that cancer, these all play into what treatment is selected for the patient and then what the patient ultimately chooses to go through. Now, in future episodes, we will go into more specific treatment plans for specific breast cancer diagnoses. 
But what we should be focusing our time on for now is what do we do for these patients? And what does our community need to understand about breast cancer? We have, I believe this firmly with all my heart, we have such an untapped potential as OncoPTs to be at the forefront of educating our communities and equipping them with the knowledge that they need for if, or frankly, when they or a loved one are diagnosed with breast cancer. Now is the time, again, as of this recording, we are now in August. Now is the time to start thinking about how we are going to use our knowledge and our expertise to serve our communities in the very rapidly approaching Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Now, if you're listening to this later, like say we're in the middle of Breast Cancer Awareness Month or even beyond that, it's not too late. Now is always a great time to get out there and educate our neighbors and our community on how breast cancer affects people and what they can do to live their best lives even after a breast cancer diagnosis. I really encourage you to pause and think about how you and your practice can be involved in Breast Cancer Awareness Month this year. Because if you're not going out there and talking with the community and engaging with survivors or educating you know, your neighbors in some capacity, then who is? Who is really advocating for our profession and for our patients? If not you, then who? So now I wanna hear from you. What did I miss? What else would you include in this episode about breast cancer? Message me on Instagram and let me know. Until next time, this is Elise with the Onco PT. And remember, you are exactly the physical therapist that your patients with cancer need. So let's get to work. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review, or support us on Patreon. 